Hello, and welcome to the Think Happy Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Cuevas. I'm a lover of French Rose coffee, golden doodles, and pump-up music. I believe happiness is something we each create for ourselves and that you are in the driver's seat of your own life. Yep, you. Join me each week as we chat with guests about their personal happiness journeys and dive into practices that you can incorporate into your daily life to help you be, well, happier. Hello, hello. How are you doing? I just, I hope your week has been going well. I cannot believe we're so close to Halloween. Guys, it's going to be here literally before we know it. Here at the Cuevas house, we will be doing a Monsters, Inc. theme. So Ellie will be Boo. Her little pigtails are like the most perfect boo pigtails you have ever seen. James will be Mike. I know. He has a onesie with a big eye on it. It's it's really adorable. And of course, Guppy will not be left out. She will be Sully. How perfect. How perfect. <laughs> okay, you guys. So anyway, today is the final episode of the Enneagram series. I hope you have had so much fun listening to these episodes. It has been, um, it was quite the process getting all of the logistics figured out for them, but just oh, so worth it. Um, So with that being said, if you haven't listened to the first two episodes in this series, go back and listen to those right now. For today's conversation, we are joined by representatives from numbers two, three, and four. And I might also want to add that this is the triad yours truly falls into. So inside this episode, I I also give some of my own insights. So just a little extra fun. And that actually makes me think, so for August's Patreon bonus podcast episode, so Patreon members get bonus podcast episodes, if you didn't know that, um, I did a deep dive of my own Enneagram type, and I went through and talked about all of the topics that we've covered with our guests throughout this series. So if that sounds interesting to you, go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T. R-E-O-N dot com backslash think happy to sign up. It's only $5 a month and 100% of that goes toward having the Think Happy podcast produced. And one more thing I want to tell you, I'm actually so, so, so excited to tell you about Think Happy's newest program, Becoming Your Best You. Okay, guys, so this is an eight-week group program that has been designed to take you from overwhelmed, stressed, running in circles, unproductive, distracted, and just feeling on empty to being in control of your life and in control of everything on your to-do list, to having a plan for each day, to constantly and consistently, both of those, having enough time for yourself, just always having enough time for yourself, and ultimately just being in the driver's seat of your own life. So, Do you ever find yourself feeling like the old you had time for exercise, time for eating well, and healthy lifestyle routines, but you just can't find the time for that stuff anymore? 
Do you ever find yourself feeling like you are going nonstop, yet you can never get through your to-do list because you just run out of time? Or do you ever find yourself struggling to stick with new habits and routines that you know will make your life better, easier, healthier? Let me tell you something. You were made for so much more than having intentions of starting off that new habit or routine on the right foot, but falling short time and time again. You were made for more than using your valuable time unproductively and therefore feeling like you can never catch up. You were made for more than feeling constantly overwhelmed and drained. This is exactly why I have created the Becoming Your Best You group program. It is time to be proactive and to put an end to this exhausting, unserving cycle that you're in. Inside Becoming Your Best You, you're going to learn how to build a routine um, and how to to sorry, I like totally had a like brain stumble there. You're going to learn how to build routines that are sustainable for you guys that really truly serve you. You're going to learn how to identify time that you waste and how to reallocate that time back to yourself. You're going to learn time management practices that you can start incorporating into your life immediately so you can start optimizing your time right away. You're going to learn how to manage and prioritize your tasks so you're able to efficiently get them done. And, you know, the cherry on top, you're going to learn how to identify tasks that can be delegated and how to actually start delegating them, right? That's the hardest part. The hardest part, we all know that. And then inside of this program, all of the things that are included, everything you're going to get, you're going to receive eight weekly self-paced educational videos that will teach you about each week's theme. You will receive weekly live group coaching calls with me to support your learning and growth, to add additional insight to the weekly videos, and to answer all of your questions. You'll get daily communication with me and all of the other group members to provide support and ongoing guidance throughout the program. And you're also going to get some pretty awesome bonus materials, if I do say so myself. If you've been looking for a sign, I'm just going to tell you right now, this is it. Stop looking. The sign is right here, flashing right in front of you neon lights, right? And plus, early bird pricing is open. I can right now in this moment hear your spot calling your name. So apply now. Thinkhappycode.com, becoming you, is where you need to go to apply. That's where you need to go to secure your spot at the discounted early bird price, okay? You're also going to receive access to a bonus intro module so you can hit the ground running. We're not going to waste any time here, guys. For questions, DM me on Instagram and I will personally get back with you. And again, to apply, go to thinkhappycode.com backslash becoming you. And... With that being said, let's jump into today's Enneagram conversation. 
All right, you guys. So we are back with our third and final episode in this Enneagram series. I hope you have been enjoying this. I know that I have. Today, um, we have three guests representing the heart triad. Before I introduce you to them, um, I want to start just by giving a little bit of a background on what exactly it is that we're talking about today. So if you're new to the Enneagram or um, are just not familiar with the Enneagram. Um, It is, the Enneagram has nine different types, right? And so triads are part, or or the different types are divided into the triads. And so triads are three different sections of the Enneagram model. um, And they really tell us why we react in certain ways. So depending on your source, triads are named a little differently, but they all have the same meaning behind them. So just for reference, for this series, we will be referring to the triads as head, gut, and heart. And so like I said, today is the heart triad, which includes Enneagrams types two, three, and four. For the other two triads, um, go back and listen to the last two episodes. That's where we covered that information and had guests on for those as well. So for this heart triad, um, the most prevalent emotion is uh, shame, right? So these types are guided primarily by emotions or feelings and things such as recognition, social inclusion, and emotional support are all greatly valued by them. Um, Heart types, they want others to pay attention to them and They are very emotionally intelligent in that they can both access their own feelings and also adapt well to the moods and feelings of others who are surrounding them. But the kicker is sometimes the driver of this can be less about supporting others and more about finding a sense of self-worth from the appreciation that they receive. And I'm like sitting here reading this, I fall into this triad and I'm like, oh gosh, yes, that is the truth. (laughs) Um, And so um, types that are part of the heart triad, if they don't receive the recognition that they long for, they react with kind of feelings of panic, longing, sadness, and ultimately shame. So, like I said, this is the triad I personally fall into as a a three-wing two, but we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about these three awesome women representing types two, three, and four. So, first and foremost, I would love to introduce you to Casey. So, Casey, tell us just who you are what your type is, what your wing is, what that means, if there's anything that really resonates with you with your type, if there's anything that doesn't so much resonate with you, just talk to us. Hi, I am Casey, and I am a hardcore two. (laughs) I am a people pleaser. I cannot say no to anybody. (laughs) Working on that. Um, But I love to be helpful. I love to be in charge and take care. And I also, when I read this, I love love. And it is twos love love. Twos love love. We are strong lovers. (laughs) But 
like we just love it. it it's like how we, um, it's our happy. Yeah. And so I love that. I will say though, I did ask my husband to make sure I am not manipulative. And okay. That is a big two. We like to manipulate yes. other people's emotion. I even asked my mother. I asked everybody because yeah. I was like, oh gosh. Check I me on this. Manipulating you. <laughs> like, that is so funny. So that one does not resonate with me, but I am definitely a a wing one when it comes to the twos, which are helpers. Like I, mm-hmm. I do. I absolutely love to help. It makes me happy. I love taking care of my family. Like it's yeah. my happy. My son will always say I never sit down just because I constantly want to make sure everyone is, you know, happy and feels loved and feels comfort. And I yeah. feel like that's comforting for people when they have help. So Aww. that's mine. Anyway, so I that's- have a huge smile on my face. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, okay, so next up, Kelsey, our three, tell us a little about you. Yeah, sure. Hi, I'm Kelsey. Happy to be here. Uh, I'm going to be representing the three type. And, woo! Yeah, <laughs> uh, a lot of woo girls, I think, are type three. Yes, but, uh, you're right. <laughs> so I specifically am a three-wing two, and the subset is called the enchanter. So a lot of focus on ambition, charming others, achieving goals, setting goals, um, effective communication communicators, and adapting to their surroundings, which I identify with primarily all of that. I would say there is one component of the three-wing two that I identify with but dislike, which is kind of the chameleon factor. Right. You, know, you, you adapt to your surroundings. So one thing I've I've noticed about myself through the years is that, you know, I will adopt the communication style of the people I'm around. So mm-hmm. they're cussing, I'm cussing. Yeah. You know, whatever it is. And yeah. so I kind of just I pick up those elements of my environment. Um, but as far as the goal setting, uh, that is a huge part of my life. That's a huge part of my career personal life as well. But I also love when the people around me are achieving their goals. So it's just, it's equally satisfying for me to hit the benchmark myself or see other people achieve what they set out to do. Yeah. Yeah. Just so since our types are like, since we're very similar, I feel the exact same way. Like if I am leading a team and the team succeeds in something, like, first of all, yes, I love that praise and recognition, but I'm also the first to be like, but here's the team that yes. did it. And like, here is like A, B, and C person. And like, they deserve this rec. Like that lights me up almost just as much as like myself receiving the recognition. Absolutely agree with that. Yeah. Sarah, hey, <laughs> welcome back. Sarah's been on the show before to talk about human design. Thank you, Caitlin. I'm happy to be back. Yes. And repping the four type today. Woo! Um, I think like everyone else at the table, I'm very, very, very much a hardcore four. Um, (laughs) Actually, more a hardcore four-wing five. Um, So I think I'm going to give a little bit of a different element to the triad because, and I think this will add something different because the, the triad that we're in, being connected to the heart, my wing, mm-hmm. two wing five, is very connected to the head. Yes. So um, to kind of backtrack and give a little bit more detail on what being a four is, um, I would say that that is definitely my core personality. Um, they are called the individualist. And I would say the one thing that makes the four stand out out of the entire Enneagram would be 
how in tune and connected they are to their emotions. Um, And then the other side of that, being very connected and tied to your identity. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot of things going on with your identity, who you are, but then wrap that all in with your emotions. And then when you bring in that wing five, that element of, you know, being in your head and your thoughts, um, constantly like ruminating something in your head. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very exhausting type to be, to be <laughs> um, because I'm constantly, um, ever since I was a little kid, um, very much just embroiled in this battle between my heart and my head. That's so interesting. Yeah. And <laughs> being so in tune with that and then also having that like very cerebral part that wants to analyze it all. Mm-hmm. It's 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 kind of double fold for me. So not only am I feeling the emotion so deeply um, and kind of tying back to what the, the feeling of shame in this triad, mm-hmm. having that kind of be a focal point as a four, but then you add the five layer that wants to dissect that from like yeah. a more logical point of view. Um, it's a very interesting type to be. <laughs> it does sound like an exhausting type to it's be. A, it's an exhausting yeah. type to do. But but at the same time, though, it's also, I, I also love that about myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's, it's just, and I, this is going to sound like, self-praising almost, but like, I guess the one part that I really love about that is that I, I feel like I know myself so deeply and so Mm -hmm. well, and I love getting to know every part of myself as I change. I'm entering a different season of life. Um, and as deep as the emotions that I might start feeling, it's interesting to be the observer in the background and learn this other part of me. That is so cool. So it's just, it's oh. very deep, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I guess I would say the another part, because you had asked um, what pieces I would not resonate with. Mm-hmm. I think, and I have not heard many people talk about this as a four in social media or on podcasts. And so it would be very interesting if there's any fours listening to write into Caitlin. Um, I do not resonate with, being kind of considered the artist type. Okay. Um, and maybe that's part of the the wing five being mm-hmm. a little bit more logical and more of a thinker. But I, every single thing that you read on anybody's social media platform, um, the books even, they're going to talk about your creativity, you being an artist, maybe you're a musician, maybe you're a painter. And I've never been creative in that way. I think I okay. Think I, I am creative in different ways, but um, that part has always bugged me because I'm like, that's not me, but I'm, I know I'm a four to my core. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. So I wanted to, to bring that up in case there's any other people that um, feel that same way. There has always been, and I think we've talked about this on the show before, parts of Enneagram that I kind of feel like everyone has something about their type. Not everyone, but a lot of people have something about their type that like they feel like they don't actually resonate with, but like 95% of it, they do resonate with. So, which is why I wanted to ask you guys if y'all have anything like that. Um, So yeah, thanks for being here, y'all. I'm so excited. Okay, so 
let's just, yeah, we're going to keep rolling. So like we have all already talked about, the emotion that's most prevalent for the heart triad is shame. Um, So I want to hear from each of you guys how you handle, you know, like this deep rooted feeling of shame. So Kelsey, we'll start with you. Sure. And I got to be honest, Caitlin, when I first saw this question on the prep list, I recoiled because (laughs) as an achiever, I don't like to acknowledge shame because that means that there's been a failure to achieve. Mm -hmm. Something went wrong. Didn't go the way that you thought that it would. And so the shame is my least favorite emotion to acknowledge and, and spend time with. But when I do feel shame, I I go into retreat mode and it's kind of an ugly process and I've got to go consider, you know, what went wrong and I need space and a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. But when I emerge, I usually have an action plan. Yes. And so I come through it and I'm like, okay, what went wrong? Here's how we're going to fix it. We're going to do it differently next time and we will prevent this going forward. So I try to be very action oriented coming out of it. And I was thinking through, you know, past experiences with the shame emotion and I noticed that in my own experience, when I felt shame, it was mostly related to a communication failure on my part. Mm, so yeah. looking back through my life, you know, I the type three is also assertive, mm-hmm. um, but I haven't always considered myself ther- assertive. Okay. And looking back in my life, you know, sometimes when I would attempt to communicate my needs, I would sugarcoat at them and soften them so much that it wasn't clear what I needed from people. Right, right. And then, you know, people would view it as an option because of the way that I delivered the message. Hey, if you could get to this, do you think you could possibly have this to me versus I need this on my desk tomorrow? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, really embracing clear communication is kind of where the second leg of my life has started, just getting older being more confident in who I am. But a lot of my past experience was I didn't communicate what I needed. Therefore, my need didn't get met. I'm mad at myself. Yeah. And then when you get frustrated, then it kind of swings to the opposite of an overreaction, which doesn't help people get you what you need either. Exactly. It's kind of too soft and too hard. Yeah. And, and, you know, now I'm, I'm really working on communicating my boundaries, my needs very effectively using clear language, but also using a tone that gets people on board with what you need. Right. Right. Yeah. That helps them help you ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Sarah? Oh, well, (laughs) as the resident for here, (laughs) I I can tell you all about my shame and we can dissect it with that wing five. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I think that shame, so, well, I'm actually going to start this by saying something probably slightly controversial. That's okay. With with a four, and that I think this feeling of shame may be somewhat of a lifelong journey for a four. Right. Um, At least that's how it is, I would say, with me. Um, I think with the four being so deeply ingrained with... um, you know, how their identity, how their identity plays a role in their life. Um, You tend to tie everything you do as an identity being a form. Right. And so let's say like as a child, my role and my identity was being a daughter. And if I played that role really, really well, that, and, and I was praised for that, 
I was doing well. But when you're not praised for that, that's the first you know, feeling of shame that you might encounter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fast forward that throughout the rest of your life as a student, as, um, as a wife, as a mother, um, if you are not fitting that role and encompassing that identity that you're really putting on yourself, <laughs> to be honest, yeah. um, it's, it's going to bring those feelings of shame. And so I think for me, this is only something that I've started really, um, I think, diving into recently, as in like the last couple of years, um, how to kind of rewrite and reframe that narrative in my head. So again, right. I remember when yeah. I'm in the five, I'm in my head with the emotions too. Um, and so I think as a way for me to mitigate that, um, and I'm very pro therapy. I've been yes. as a four. I've been in therapy my whole life. <laughs> yes, <laughs> here for it. I will. I will. And if you listen to my pod, my podcast with Caitlin about human design, I I think I've explored every type of like personality system to really understand myself. Um, and I think processing the emotion is one part of it, mm-hmm. but then exploring that emotion from a logical side as well is is another part of it. It's yeah. Like, okay, feel the feeling and then like, okay, what does that mean? And how can I reframe that thought in my head? How can I change that narrative and right. just continue to grow from it? So for me, I think it's going to be probably a lifelong journey. Um, yeah. And that's okay. It's, it's, it's the uh, blessing and the curse of the four, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good journey to be on. Well, at Think Happy, we're all about a good reframe. I love so, a good reframe. Yes, <laughs> all about a good reframe. Okay, Casey, what about you? Well, as a people pleaser, and as someone who really cares what people think, <laughs> it eats away at me. Like it completely. I can. It will. It's like yeah. I'll go down. Like I will feel so much shame. I will dwell on it. I will overanalyze it to a core. I will try to figure out what I did wrong. And like you said, like figure out like how not to do that again. Right. But I am listening to y'all and I'm like getting inspired to actually really do that because sometimes I am very good at blocking things. And so I Mm -hmm. will literally release it and I release it. I'm doing air quotes, but like, you know, because... I don't probably release it. I'll probably go back to it a month later and be like, gosh, you remember that time you lost it? You know, or you yeah. communicate something right. You know, it's just like, it will, it will come back. But I do try to release it. And I'm a big fan of like running. And that is, I will go mm-hmm. run and that will be my release. And yeah. so like, that's how I have to handle it. But if I, cause if I don't, I will, it will dwell and it will sit and it will, yeah. and I will think about it. So that's something that I have always really liked about how you just like handle things is that you use movement Mm -hmm. as an outlet, which is such a good outlet to have because it's a win-win. Actually, it's a win-win-win because first of all, a lot of the time movement is free. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's another win because you're also serving your body well in that. And thirdly, it's a win because you know, it, it, it releases endorphins and like helps you 
process whatever is going on. Like it gives you time to just be in your head. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, I feel like the phrase being in your head kind of has a negative connotation, but sometimes you have to be in your head to sort through what's going on in your head. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And so running is such a good one. Yeah. And it's my husband and he's a wonderful husband. It's not a bad thing, but sometimes he'll be like, you need to go run. Yeah. Like, you know, he's like, Hey babe, hey babe, go you look run. like you need to run. And then he's like, you need to release this. So it, it, you know, at least I have that, but I feel like talking about therapy and stuff, like maybe I should, you know, really try to pinpoint some healthy yeah. like, communication in my head to release, you know, the right. The right. Shame. So anyway, so you guys, while I was getting ready for specifically this conversation, um, I found some tips that are like meant to help us overcome these feelings of um, shame. Sorry, I like lost what I was saying. Um, And so the first one that I, okay, so these are, I'm just going to like read some of these to you and tell me how like it makes you feel. Okay. (laughs) If you had any aha moments. So some of these tips, clarifying expectations with others, asking others for help, forgiveness, um, recognizing good things in your life, realizing your weaknesses and limitations. That's a big one for me personally. Um, Asking for help to separate what you do from what, who you are. That's another big one for me. Um, Analyzing what you feel with what you should be feeling and to practice kind responses to your mistakes or regrets. Um, So Sarah, did you have like to any of those like hit home for you or like the hundred percent. Yeah. I, the one that just stood out just now was the separating what you do from who you are. Right. So with the identity being a big foundational point and being a four, I was actually listening to a podcast just before this to kind of rev my, get in the zone, my four juices up. Yes. Um, and it was with, uh, the, the Sarah Jane case, the Enneagram and coffee. Oh yeah. Um, I'm actually about to reference some stuff from her. Yeah. She, so she just had a series, um, about productivity and yes, I saw that. Yeah. And she did one for the four and she said something along the lines of, and it like hit me hard as I was driving over here. I was like, Oh my God, that was a big aha moment for me actually. Um, and it has everything to do with that point about you about um what you do is not who you are yeah um and it's she she said something in a way that was like with a four one of the big kind of fears in a four's life is not amounting to anything great in this life not mm-hmm. being remembered for being um uniquely whatever it is that who you are. Right. And, um, a lot of that was about, um, how as a four, you, you may even have this, this, uh, internal battle with almost keeping yourself small and would almost rather fail versus letting yourself get so big because you're, you have this fear of being mediocre Mm -hmm. and, um, but it's more identity based versus like achieving base. And, um, the, the phrase that she said that hit home to me was, um, instead of thinking of what am I going to do with my life, what am I going to do within my life? Oh, wow. And that We was, have nods across the table right that now. That was just— Across that, the room. It, it, like, really— 
<laughs> it just hit me like yeah as I was driving over here and I was like wow that's a that's a really big reframe there because yeah. I I can definitely get into my head and and just you know what am I going to do now to make myself xyz um you know if I how do I change myself to be this this and this to achieve this and be this in the rest of my life mm-hmm. um I kind of taking a step back and saying you know it's you're not one thing and remembered for in this one life it's everything yeah. that you do every day in it yeah and so I thought that was really beautiful that is really beautiful <laughs> man deep stuff deep stuff deep stuff <laughs> what about you Casey um well definitely asking for help yeah <clears throat> my sorry you're good my mom is the most like helpful person I know and she will never tell me no I mean she does and I'm glad she does but like asking her for that help literally takes me an entire day weighing it out going through it Mm -hmm. even though I this woman will not tell you know like the most loving and she probably loves Helping you oh, she also. She's also a hardcore too. Yeah. <laughs> and, so she, and so she loves it. And she loves my voice. And she loves being around us. But to actually physically, like, it is physically sometimes painful to yeah. ask for that help because then it means I can't do it or I need that help or I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing to carry my family on or, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, and I definitely do not ask friends or, you know, like, I mean, I have, but, you know, like, it yeah. is. I go straight to her because that is more comforting than to go to somebody else, even sometimes my husband, because he works so hard. You know, so it's yeah. like, um, anyway, so that asking for help, which I do once it comes, it's wonderful. And you get yeah. to recharge and you feel like a whole different person. But I do need to work on that. Asking for help is, I feel like I resonate so much with what you said, and it might be like the wing two of me, mm-hmm. but I also lean a lot on my family for the help, even though I have so many friends, so many neighbors who are constantly like, you're in a tough season. Like, let me know what I can do to help. Like, like, let's do this. Let's do this. And like, I'm looking at you guys because all of you guys have said that before. And it's like, why is it so hard to actually do that? Because when someone comes to me and asks for help, like, that kind of like lights me up a little bit. I'm like, oh yeah, like let me jump into action right. and help you. So why is it so much harder like to ask for that? To ask yeah. for it, you know? That makes perfect sense. Now it makes me even feel better because I've been like you, I know you've been home with like out without Oakley before and stuff. And I'm like, I've got to help her. Right. But yeah. When I see you doing it. I'm like, wow, that is impressive. It's like <laughs> yeah. no, I'll just hey, we don't we don't get pretty points for, for yeah. getting it done. Like no, oh, there's no. no style points. No. <laughs> but it makes sense. Yeah. What about you, Kelsey? Well, I want to take one that you said and, and modify it a little bit. Yeah. It was about your identity mm-hmm. and separating your identity from, from what you do. And as an Enneagram 3, other people's opinion of me is very important to me. Yeah. And so for me, I think the highest form of, of self-care is, you know, separating what other people think of me my self-worth. Mm-hmm. And so that's a big personal mission for me. Like, you know, what they think of me doesn't, doesn't drive my value. And that has probably been one of the hardest life lessons to yeah. really absorb, retain. It's something I have to keep reteaching myself because it's so for sure entangled with who I am as an Enneagram three. And then, you know, you also said forgiveness and 
a component of of me is I forgive others a lot more easily than I forgive myself. Yeah. And so I think— Preach. (laughs) Everyone is nodding right now. (laughs) Acknowledging that I'm not perfect. And when we talked about shame, I told you I want to emerge with an action plan when I mess up. But perfection is not a reasonable expectation for life. Mm -hmm. So there are going to continue to be mess-ups. So you've got to figure out when it happens, because it's not if, it's when. When you mess up, how are you going to move on? Mm -hmm. How are you going to pull yourself up and and move forward? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks, you guys. (laughs) This is such a good conversation. I'm loving it. Let me briefly interrupt this episode to tell you about one of my new favorite drinks, Drink Basis. Basis was made to replenish electrolytes lost during the day, helping you to feel focused, energized, and relaxed. It comes in individual packets that you just pour straight into your water bottle, shake up, and drink up. My favorite flavor is blackberry lemon, with cran raz coming in as a close second. It's great for pre- and post-exercise, immunity, your skin, and just getting through daily life. I highly recommend you try out Drink Basis. Use code THINKHAPPY at checkout for 20% off your order. That's drinkbasis.com, code THINKHAPPY. Um, Okay, so our Sarah, who's here, set this up pretty nicely. Um, The next thing we're going to go into are the levels of health for each of these three types. And these levels of health were specifically taken from um, Sarah Jane Case is where you can find her on Instagram. Um, She also has a podcast called Enneagram and Coffee. And so shout out to Sarah Jane Case for just writing this up so perfectly and succinctly and nice, a nice way to understand. (laughs) So I wanted to give her credit for this. Um, Okay. So, excuse me, we'll start with Casey being the level two. So, or Enneagram two. So for a healthy two, they release the idea that they are not allowed to tend to their own needs and therefore are allowed their feelings which gives room for love without exception. They're able to experience unconditional love for themselves and for others, which has been their desire all along. So tell us about you when you're in a healthy state. Well, wish it was all the time. But, <laughs> but you were talking about like how to's love love. Yeah, and we do. Like my son knows and my family that Valentine's Day is my favorite holiday. I, I love that. I've just always... Actually, funny story really quick. Like when my son asked what we were, I was doing today and about my personality, and I was like, what's my favorite saying? And he was like, you love love. And oh. I was like, I love love. And so it is. So when I am in a healthy state, I also, I was thinking about this, like my children, I love them unconditionally. You know, like you get in that mindset where mm-hmm. like, this is who they are. My terrible too is going to be who he is and he will have a strong personality and I will love him for that one day. Yeah, <laughs> like, one day. One day. <laughs> and so I do feel like a healthy thing is that unconditional love for your children, honestly. Yeah. You know, like yeah. just having that for them and then myself and being in that great mindset and just... Like I said, I just thrive off of knowing that the people I'm around feel loved. Even my friends. Like, I just love yeah. to make sure, um, you know, like everyone knows they can come to me and open up to me and I am there to reciprocate all that. Yeah. So. Oh, 
I, I love love. I do love love. <laughs> okay. So one of two is feeling at more of the average level. They fear that they're easily replaceable and that the people they love will find someone they love more. So they end up seeking to be needed. And they may try to claim the people in their lives by putting their needs, like the people's needs, in front of their own. So talk to us about that. Um, I very much resonated with this because I do. My husband, again, is wonderful and loving and loyal. But I will sometimes go into a place where I'm like, if I do not, he works so hard, right? And so like, mm-hmm. when he comes home, I want I, I'm not trying to be Betty Homemaker, but like I am trying to make sure there's a healthy meal because he works so hard. He looks drained. You yeah. know what I mean? And like the house is clean and everything's put together. And I do do this to also remind him in a messed up way, look what you've got. Yes. Like you have a yes. life. When you are home, please do not cheat. Yes. You know, like, yes. Do not replace, replace me. me. I am irreplaceable. And there is like that component of that where I'm like, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Like, you came home to this. So, yes. you know, and so um, I very much resonated with that. And I, it is very much something I do do on a, maybe even a daily basis just yeah. to make sure he feels loved and, you know, it doesn't, you know, need to upgrade. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> to version 2.0. Yeah. You can't do better. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. That's funny. Yeah. Um. Okay. I mean, it's not funny, no, but, but it, is it, funny. Is, it is funny. <laughs> oh, I feel like you have to laugh about yeah. it. We, we, laugh, real we laugh so we don't cry. That's true. Okay, so unhealthy. They may confuse pity for overexhaustion with love and seek to keep the people in their lives dependent on them so that they won't leave. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about that. Well, I think it also goes into it goes into a deeper, darker place of the average. Like, yeah, it's kind of like taking the average, but just like another layer exactly. deeper. Yeah. And that's how I felt about it. Um, even like, I know this is going to sound silly, but like going on car trips I or like, you know, traveling or something, mm-hmm. I make sure I take care of all of it and that they acknowledged that I took care of all mm-hmm. of it. If my husband even asked me like what needs to be done, I'd be like, don't even like I yeah. did this. I know that's like a silly example, but it is a control thing. I For sure. feel like this, like being unhealthy is I need complete control. And then right. with him working so hard, if he, on the weekends, he like steps in to do something. I'm like, oh no, no, like, I am control of this household. This is how I run it. <laughs> you know, you're under my roof. Yeah. Babe. And then they're like, okay, no, you are a partner. He is wonderful. Yes. <laughs> He's a great dad. He's not doing anything wrong. Yeah. But yeah. you can get into this deep need of control. And mm-hmm. I do feel like that's an unhealthy version of it. And yeah. not allowing, again, going back to not asking for help. Right. right and like right. not like, so anyway, so I do feel like it all kind of goes together. It does. Yeah. With that one. Flows. Yeah. <laughs> Which I feel like a lot of these levels of health for this triad do kind of like seamlessly flow mm-hmm. together. Um, okay, Kelsey. So moving to Enneagrams th- Enneagram threes. So when threes are at a healthy level, they release the idea that others determine their worth and become free to explore the truth of what they are and what they really want. Through this, they can experience what really feels to be valuable and worthwhile through self-acceptance, authenticity, and giving to others. So what's that like for you? 
healthy levels of an Enneagram three, this is easier to hit in certain aspects of my life than others. Mm-hmm. And so I think on a personal level with my friendships, um, I am a mom. So motherhood for me, I'm a lot more lenient and accepting of myself. Right. Um, it's taken me time to get to this point. But one thing that I've done that's really helped me stay in a healthy mindset is journaling. And if I were to block out what every person wants and expects of me, what do I want as an Enneagram mm-hmm. 3? Because my life is is marked by milestones of what people expect of me. Yeah. And me putting pressure on myself to rise to the occasion because I value 100%. what other people think of me. Yeah. And so, you know, taking the time to block out those expectations from others and hone in on what I want for myself is the best way for me to have that healthy mindset. Um, professionally, it's much harder for me to have a healthy mindset than it is for me just on a personal Right, level. right. Um, I am also very compartmentalized yes. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I view my personal life as my personal life and like my professional life as my professional life. And just in really all aspects of my life, I am super compartmentalized, probably almost to a fault. Um, But something you were just saying made me think of um, something that I saw on Instagram the other day. And all it said was, you're never going to be able to like control uh, what someone else thinks of you. So you might as well just like be who you want to be. And I feel like that was written for a three. <laughs> no doubt. Because <about laughs> when I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, that's really true. That's a great point. <laughs> because, you know, we say it so many times, like the only person you actually have control over is you. Right. But like sometimes you have to see it or hear it in a little bit of a different way for that reminder to like really set in. Um, okay. So. Moving to um, when threes are in an average area, they have lost sight of who they really are and try to be what they think will be most impressive to others. They may struggle with true intimacy as they seek to be admired and desired first and foremost. So they aren't showing up truly as themselves in relationships. When I first read this, I thought, bummer. Because the average level of an Enneagram 3 still has a lot of work to do. Yeah. And, you know, losing sight of who you really are is, that's that's a bad situation. That's that's unhealthy. Right. So, right. Um, you know, I've, I've definitely been there. I think true intimacy is, has always been a struggle for me. I have a very tight circle mm-hmm. and very few people get the underlying version of Kelsey. Yeah. Um, when I'm healthy, when I'm average, or when I'm unhealthy, I almost always attempt or have a glossy facade up. Right. High energy. It's going great. Thanks for asking, you know, mm-hmm. and just kind of brush off a lot of, you know, unhealthy emotions to the yep. external world, 99% of the external world. So it there are very few people who peel who have the opportunity to peel back with me because I'm so closed off about mm-hmm. who I really share struggles with. Yeah. Because you want to, I, I always want to give the perception that I'm achieving. Exactly. If you're failing or stumbling or or not doing that, that's hard to communicate. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of, and we talked about this before we started recording, how a lot of this next unhealthy level kind of 
like <laughs> average and unhealthy for threes <clears throat> feel really similar. And so when threes are in an unhealthy level, they fear failure and experience intense imposter syndrome from the disconnect between what they say they are versus what they really are. They put on a good show, but are deeply empty and depressed. Yeah, right. That there's a lot to unpack there. I was hoping that there would be a bigger grade between healthy and average yes. to unhealthy mm-hmm. because like we said, average still has a lot of work to do. Um, unhealthy, I have experienced the unhealthy levels most commonly professionally. Um, just, you know, I when I'm assigned a task and it's new to me, I almost always start at a base camp level of, I don't deserve this task. I've never done right. this before. I'm not qualified. And what it does is it lights a fire under me mm-hmm. to go become qualified in my own mind, put in the work so that I'm happy with the output at the end of the day. But I I wish that I didn't start so low. Right. I wish it started more like I can do this. Mm-hmm. I will rise to the occasion. But a lot of times it does start kind of all the way at the bottom and I have to work myself up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that for a three, just with our desire to achieve, once we have, like, since we do start at the bottom, at the end, it feels probably even better because we look back and see, like, how far we've come. But what if we just tried, you know, like, not starting so far down? And, like, I bet it would still feel so good at the end. It's almost a high. That yes. You get because yes. you're like, oh, I was at zero, then I did it, and I'm proud of myself. But you're exactly right. Mm-hmm. It's so great if we could just start at 50. Yeah. Then get to 100. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay, Sarah. So where is my level four? Here we go. Okay. So not level four. I keep get, I keep saying level instead of Enneagram, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, for an Enneagram four, when they are in a healthy frame of mind, they no longer see themselves as more flawed than others and are able to step out of their self-absorption. They're able to achieve their desire to find themselves and their significance through full self-acceptance. <laughs> go. Go. Um, Ready? Go. <laughs> so I don't mean, I feel like I keep, I'm like the downer of the triad right now. No. But I I was trying to think of, about what I was going to say to this, and I actually don't think I have 100% ever been here oh in my this gosh. place. What's so funny about you saying that is in some of the other conversations, girls were saying, um, yeah, like I live an average. Like I, it's very rare that I feel like what is explained as healthy and stuff like that. So I think that's true for a lot more people than you would think. I I think that there have been fleeting moments of that. Um, And I think that it's amplified by the people that I'm around. Mm -hmm. If I feel really safe and that the people that I'm around do truly a hundred percent accept me, then there are, the, I get fleeting moments of that feeling. Mm-hmm. But I think that this one, because kind of what I <laughs> talked about with, I think my controversial statement of an Enneagram for having a lifelong journey of battling this um, feeling of shame, it really boils down to a shame of who you are. Yeah. Um, and so 
I think that one I'm still <laughs> I'm still working through. You know what? That's okay. We're all works in progress. Yeah. I, I my goal is to get there one day. Yeah. So it's, you know, and the five in me is like, okay, logical steps on how to get Let's there. Let's think about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So for an, when level when Enneagram fours are feeling average, they no longer feel as though they can rely on their emotional landscape to keep them and their creativity going. So they lean into their fantasy life to deepen and lengthen their emotional experiences. This one's interesting too. So <laughs> you said that I you think that fours live in average. I actually feel like and I, again, I don't mean to be the downer of the group. Hey. I feel like I've lived in the unhealthy probably the majority of my life. Right. Um, the average, though, is interesting because, so this is this is another element with, at least in my experience of being a four, is that there's almost a, um, there's like two distinct parts of me. Mm-hmm. There's the part that I share with people around me and people that, maybe don't know like the core of who I am. And then there's like this alter ego. Right. (laughs) That is like really, truly who I am. And I found this interesting because it says lean into the fantasy life to deepen and lengthen their emotional experiences. And I immediately thought about, so I don't know if you ladies know this, but I have, when I went on Caitlin's podcast for human design, I have somewhat of a real life alter ego um, (laughs) on Instagram where I... I go, I go by Sarah James Carter on Instagram and I have this whole, um, platform of talking about human design, astrology, spirituality, things like that. But a lot of people in my personal life actually do not know that about me. Um, and so it's funny when it says fantasy life to deep. Yeah. I'm like, (laughs) that is kind of true. Yeah. You're like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Keeping it separate. Yeah. (laughs) So, okay, when fours are unhealthy, they feel as though they're wasting their lives and rejects anyone and everyone who doesn't uplift the idea of themselves that they want to. Essentially, they shut down and stop taking action while feeling shame for not getting where they're trying to go. A thousand percent. So like like I said, this is the one I think. You're like, let me tell you about this one. Yeah, this one, um, I think, so the wasting their life, that resonates a lot because that's a feeling that I tend to battle Mm -hmm. multiple periods throughout my life. Um, Whether that's professionally of like, what am I doing? Or, uh, you know, when I was in my early twenties, I went and went rogue and I went and moved to Spain, you know, (laughs) like uh, having kind of that um, idea of this other kind of life that I could live. Yeah. Um, And so there's, there's always kind of that thought in the back of my head of, and going back to that phrase that I mentioned that Sarah and Case said of what you do within your life versus mm-hmm. what you do with your life, um, that resonates deeply. And then um, the shutting down and stop taking action, that's big time. Um, that's so interesting. Whether, I mean, I'm naturally, even though I talk a lot and I'm very social and chatty, I'm very introverted. Mm-hmm. And you probably have seen this in me where I will just disappear for many months. Um, And I think when I'm in that period, like I'm shutting down not only my social side, but like really everything about me too. Right. Um, And it's just, I kind of call it this internal winter where it's just 
I'm in there processing yeah. and learning about myself and becoming more comfortable with myself before I'm able to let it out into the world. But it kind of makes me think of something that I talk about to this community a lot, which is sometimes we have to slow down before we can speed back mm-hmm. up. And um, like for me in my life, it looks differently than that. But what you just explained sounds just like another form of slowing down so that you can eventually like get back to the point where you're speeding back up again. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think with a four, um, especially if you wing to five, there's a whole, I mean, mental health is huge and Mm -hmm. getting your thoughts right and processing everything in a healthy way because fours do tend to err on the side of depression. Right. And so um, being cognizant of that and kind of moving through those waves in a yeah. healthy manner versus yeah. getting sucked too deep into that. Right, right. Oh, thanks for sharing all of that, you guys. I have um, kind of like a lighter question as we start to wrap things up here. Um, so I would love to hear what each of you guys would view as your overview of just a totally perfect day. Um, so Sarah, you just start us off. What's your perfect day? <laughs> okay. So it's funny you asked this because I was, again, when I was prepping for this call, I was searching Enneagram 4 on TikTok and this exact same question came up. Really? And the guy that described the, the day, I was like, that's exactly what I was describing as my perfect day too. <laughs> and it's being alone. Okay. It raining. Dark and raining. Yeah. That just sounds amazing. Um, (laughs) Having the morning by myself, meditating. Um, Lately, when I've been meditating, it's actually been quite emotional for me. So it's been like moving that emotion through me. Um, Having a nice coffee, breakfast in bed. Again, all alone. Emphasis Um, (laughs) on being alone. (laughs) And then curling up with my blanket, watching a scary movie. Um, (gasps) Because it's raining and dark outside. Or Harry Potter, one of the two. Yeah. And uh, and then napping. Oh, nice. And then in the afternoon, maybe I... This is so four wing five. Maybe I start diving into a book, like a self help book. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. learning more about myself. There you go. <laughs> you know that sounds like a pretty good day. Yeah, it does. Good. It does sound pretty good. <laughs> Kelsey, what's yours? It's so um, it, for me, it would begin with a completed to do list, oh, and you know yes. all of the things that I worry about being checked off, so that I could be fully present mm-hmm. and not be thinking about oh, how can I use this time to be more efficient? Yes. Um, so that would that would be how I would start, and then I'm not really a morning person, so it would need to begin slowly with mm-hmm. coffee, and then um, you know, unsurprisingly, words of affirmation are. My love language. Yes. So there would need to be some complimenting. Yes. And, just uh, all day long. All day long Don't. Yeah, we're not going to hold that just to the morning. All day. <laughs> That's right. And then, you know, it would just be quality time with the people that I love while they're happy. Yeah. And um, that, you know, that would be the perfect day for me. Oh, that's a good day, too. Okay, Casey, what's yours? Um, well, first, when I first thought about this, I included my children. And then I thought, I love my children. <laughs> <laughs> but like, they would first of all have to be somewhere where I have no stress about them being somewhere. Do you know? With your I mean? mom. Yes. So like, it would have to be one of those, I'm not worried. I'm not 
you know, like um, there's no guilt. But then I thought about it and twos, we need, we get so involved in everyone else that we need a recharge. Mm-hmm. And I do notice that about myself. Like if I haven't had some me time, I am not pretty. It's ugly. But yeah. like, but so my perfect day, I was like, okay, Casey, be honest. Your perfect day would be a you day. You know, yeah. like it would be a completely waking up and doing whatever you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And actually my favorite thing in the entire world is to read. And if I, I could that. read, that's it. That's all I want all day. Like yeah. if I could all day escape into some novel and I liked your rainy. Like I was like, nice. okay, I could have a rainy day, re- like reading. Day, yes. Where is that? And honestly, just in my house, mm-hmm. no one to take care of. I mean, I love them all to death, but yes. like, it would be a recharge, you yeah. know, right? To be completely just reading and escaping. And then that would be, and then by the end of the day, a nice glass of wine and then they come home and I'm great. Exactly. <laughs> and that would They be come home just in time to, to put them in bed. bed. And then I get that And night. they're in a great mood. Yeah. Already been bathed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just bed. literally tucking in. Yeah. And my husband's home at a decent hour and, you know, and that would be, that would be my perfect day. That's so it's very simple, but it would just My only nice. difference is that it would be multiple glasses of wine. <laughs> <There> <laughs> not, not one. <laughs> I love all of those perfect days. Um, okay, you guys. So final question that I have for each of you. Um, and I ask every guest that comes on the show this question. Do you have a life or happiness hack that you use in your own life that the listeners might find helpful in their own? Kelsey, we're going to have you go first. Life or happiness hack. Well, that to me is going to be related to efficiency. Yes. And so my advice is to start on Thursday to avoid the Sunday scaries. (gasps) So throw in the laundry, do the dishes, and then you can be fully present on your weekend. Use your weekends to pursue what you want instead of using them to get ahead for the following week. Yes. not restful or recharging. That's a really, really good one. That's a great one. Sarah? So, okay. I thought about this and I wanted to give one from a four perspective. So I think learning how to control your thoughts and your emotions. Okay. Yeah. Easier said than done. Definitely. Big time, big time easier said than done. Um, and again, a lifelong journey, but um, learning to not deny your emotions, um, or do, you know, there is a point when the positivity can become toxic where it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's almost fake in your mind. Yeah. You need to move through that and address it. Um, and then letting it go and changing the thought. Yeah. Um, again, easier said than done and takes, lots of practice takes a lot of practice. Yeah. But that right there if you learn how to control it. I hear I always hear those phrases, learn how to control your thoughts and you control your life. Yeah. And I think that's true. Amen. No pressure or anything, Casey, but you have, you know, the last one (laughs) of the whole series. (laughs) Okay. Wow. No, I um well I will say at first my immediate thought was mostly like a selfish, like, oh, just go release endorphins, go run, you know, like dance it out, like be happy. But then I thought about something my husband and I talk a lot about is when we get too deep into our own heads Mm -hmm. and we get too deep into stuff, we make sure we do something for someone else. (gasps) 
And it's just like this, go do something for someone else because you will stop thinking about you. Mm -hmm. Like you will stop dwelling on all the stuff you should be doing or the the stuff you haven't done and the shame and all that. And go do something for someone else that will brighten their day. And you immediately get in like this good mood. And it's something, actually my husband and I, I don't know, one day we talked about it because I went too deep one day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He was like, go do something for someone else. And then, and that actually being an Enneagram too, I was like, yes, <laughs> let yes. me help, help some somebody. people out. <laughs> yes. So anyway, I know that's like a silly, but it just is something that sometimes it helps you, you know, change your mind. Yes. So these anyway. were really great hacks, you guys. <laughs> well, y'all, that is a wrap for this episode. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening, you guys. I hope you enjoyed this series just as much as I did. I'm very confident that you did or else I wouldn't have done this series, obviously. But um, share it with a friend. Share it with a family member. Share it with your favorite two, three, or four. While you're at it, just share it with anyone, you know? The more the merrier. And yeah, have a fantastic rest of your week. And I will be back next week with another new episode of the Think Happy Podcast. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for joining me for this week's episode of the Think Happy Podcast. If you just can't get enough, find me on Instagram at thinkhappy underscore co, that's C-O, and online at thinkhappyco.com. See you next week.